Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another fantastic interview that is going to get you inspired to do more great work out there in the talent development world. And today we're all we're talking all about culture in the virtual world. And I'm really excited and honored to have my friend Greg Brenner back on as a guest. You might remember Greg has been on the podcast in the past. We talked all about uh, culture and empathy, and as well as his experience as a college football referee. Well, Greg spoke on the Talent Development Virtual Summit that I hosted back in September 2020. I loved his talk and the Q&A that we did afterwards, and I wanted to share that with you. So this is another one in our series of interviews that we're sharing from the Talent Development Virtual Summit to you, and this is all about building culture in the virtual world. In this interview with Greg, we talk about why cultural transformation is so hard, how culture has changed under COVID, how to engage and empower employees in a virtual world, how to create great culture virtually, how to bring more empathy as a leader, how to create more empathetic leaders in your organization, how can people be more empathetic and relatable, how to enable change by setting an example, and we talk about going out and behaving the way you want others to behave uh, and calling it something later. So all about how do you define that culture beyond just putting a poster on the wall. I think you're going to really get a lot out of this interview. And I also want to add a couple other tidbits. Number one, uh, Greg Brenner is a member of the Talent Development Think Tank community. Uh, he joins us on our weekly calls, and he's always available to chat with other members inside the community. If you work in talent development and you haven't yet looked at joining We'd love for you to come check it out. Our website is tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. All the information is right there on the website, uh, as well as the pricing and a link to sign up. If you look at it and you have more questions, you want to talk to me, uh, if you scroll down to the bottom of the website, there is a link to book a 15-minute call with me. We can get on Zoom. I can answer your questions, see if you're going to be a good fit, if it's going to bring you value or not. I'm always completely honest about that. 
Uh, I'm not trying to bring people in who are not going to be a great fit because it is all about community, bringing people together to share, to learn, to connect, and to grow together. Uh, The other thing is that Greg and I have started hosting some uh, talent development chats together on Clubhouse every Tuesday. The times have been changing a little bit lately, Uh, but if you are on Clubhouse, make sure you go follow me. I'm on there uh, just about every day uh, and hosting several rooms coming up including on talent development and career development. Uh, If you're not on Clubhouse yet and you're wondering what it is, it's kind of like an ongoing conference in your pocket. It's audio only. There's like breakout rooms on every particular topic you can think of. And I've been hosting some rooms on talent development. As I record this in February 2021, it is still only iOS only. So you have to have an iPhone or an iPad. Sorry, you can't get on with Android. Uh, But it's a really fun platform, a great way to learn. I've been involved in some great HR rooms, and I've been starting to host some talent development and career development rooms on there. So if you're on Clubhouse, uh, come on over, follow me, join some of our rooms. I'll be hosting some rooms upcoming with Greg Brenner about talent development, including one today, the day this uh, podcast is releasing, and there'll be more in the future. And if you want to have more conversations with us, come join us in the Talent Development Think Tank community, where we're having live calls and bringing in guest speakers like Greg every Wednesday on on Zoom. The website again for that is tdtt.us. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Greg Brenner talking about building strong cultures while navigating change. Enjoy. Are you looking to build a stronger culture while navigating the seas of change, keep people engaged in our new virtual and volatile world? Well, then you are in the right place. Hi, I'm Andy Storch, your host for the Talent Development Virtual Summit, and I'm excited to introduce you to today's fantastic guest, Mr. Greg Brenner, and Greg is the Assistant Vice President of Talent and Organizational Development at the University of Miami and University of Miami Health. He's also a regular content creator and a big, with a big following on LinkedIn, known as the HR Dad. Uh, And Greg has run his own business and led organizational-wide culture change efforts multiple times and is an expert on this topic, and I'm really excited to bring him on today. Greg, welcome to the summit. Thank you, Andy, and thank you for doing this. This is a first-class deal you put on here, and uh, especially on our, our timing in the COVID era, uh, this thing couldn't be running any better, and the, and the speakers you have, and probably me excluded, are just top-notch, so awesome work by you. Well, I appreciate the kind words, and you absolutely fit in with this group, and no matter what all the other speakers have done, I bet none of them have refereed a college football championship game, but you have. Which is I have, nice I, and many, many of them I have, yeah. That's right, many, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, who knows if there'll ever be college football games again. I don't know. Uh, and I you've done it, it. so uh, <laughs> you're part of history. But, but we digress. Um, you, other than, you know, having your experience as a referee and uh, being the HR dad and the content you create, which is fantastic on LinkedIn, you've also been a lot, in, uh, very involved with culture and engagement. And I know from talking with you that you're very passionate about those things. I'm curious, why do you think culture transformation in general is always so hard? It's a, it's a wonderful question. And I think the issue lies in that we forget it's a people business, right? So culture is not an algorithm, right? It's no algorithm. You can't assign a, a, you know, a code to how you're going to build a culture. Now, you may have a systematic approach on how you're going to do that. But at the core, you're dealing with people who are complex individuals that have faults, that have desires, that have all goodness rooted in them. And they have their own value set and they have their own biases and things of that nature that makes culture work really difficult. So, you know, there's no easy 
there's no easy button when it comes to culture. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're talking about people. We're talking about humans. Um, let's just take a step back. We talk about culture and it's different for everybody, but how would you define, like what defines a great culture? You know, I think, I think for me, it becomes more of uh, what is it not, right? So a lot of times you can define what it is, but usually when the work is working and it's not broken, that's, that's a sign of a good culture where people actually bring issues to the forefront before they become issues for your stakeholders or your clients, or your consumers, whatever like that, that's probably a good culture. What it's not is, and this is really important, it's not a set of values and behaviors that you put on a wall and that there's no action to it. So do yourself a favor, whatever you do, if you're involved in any kind of culture transformation, if you're in talent development, if you're a CEO or whatever it is, don't, if you go through that exercise of coming up with what's really important for your organization and then you throw that on the wall and then you act differently, don't put the stuff on the wall. All right. It's really, really important. Yeah. It's not just about putting signs on the wall, right? It's really about how people show up, how people interact with each other, how people treat each other in the organization. People often exactly. say that it's, you know, what, how people act and talk when you leave the room when you're not around watching. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you think when people think about culture and creating a great culture or changing culture, how do you think that has all changed um, as a result of COVID in this virtual remote world we're in now? Well, I think what it has done, it's highlighted our either wonderful ways of doing that prior to the COVID era, uh, and it's highlighted the ways we haven't spent the time or invested the time in it pre-COVID area, so, you know, time frame. So what I would say is that, it's difficult. If everybody's sitting on Zoom or whatever platform you're using, it, it's difficult to get that engagement, to build that culture. But if you had strong foundations prior to it, that's been great. Now, some of people have, have realized that, hey, we need to do something different. This is, this is a very different way of working. Um, and some people have pivoted, you know, to use a way overused term uh, during this, during this uh, slowdown and shutdown, whatever we want to call it. But we have to find a way to engage our people at a different level. And it's become a little bit harder when you do this. So you have to, you have to ramp up the intentionality even more than you were if you were on top of your culture. If you weren't on, cult on top of your culture before, and cultures will, are defined already, right? you just want to make sure you're the ones that are defining it. If you didn't spend time as, as a leadership group or as an organization defining that before COVID, you better be doing it now because things are, uh, things are, are really changing for the workforce right now. And, and, and those who are stepping up to the plate will, will come out of this uh, in, a, in a different space than they did going into it. Oh, yeah, I think there's huge opportunities for, and I've said it many times going into the summit, for those of us in HR and learning and development, talent development, to be the heroes in our organization's journeys if we're able to step up and handle this right and be part of this and create that great engaging culture. But there's a lot of challenges to overcome. Even if you already felt like you had a great culture and some of the formula before for companies was, hey, you got the ping pong table and, and, the, and the keg and mm -hmm. like people like to hang out in the yeah. office and they were all friends, right? We can't mm -hmm. do that anymore. So like, what are some of those challenges, those barriers that get in the way for everybody now that we're working remotely? Well, I think it's just the, the thing is, how do you engage when the entire person is, is there? You know, both of us are working at our homes. Uh, you know, there's kids that, my, 
my daughter, just my 14 year old just ran across the front of my screen. You know, nobody saw it, but I saw her <laughs> run across. Uh, you've got uh, school starting for a lot of people while this airs. Uh, kids will be back in school, either online or in person. Uh, so there's a lot of challenges that the person, getting back to the person, the individual is really challenged. And so for, for us, it's figuring out, there's really three different levels. And, and my team focuses on this a lot at, at the U is, there's the self and then there's leading others and then there's leading the organization. And it really starts at the self unit. And when you don't start there, you, you give yourself up to uh, not taking care of yourself. And when you don't take care of yourself, it's very difficult to take care of others. So you got to start there first before you start managing and leading other people. Yeah. With that leading self, I think it's so important, the self-awareness, understanding who you are, how you work, what you need, and hopefully organizations will help you in that, enable that. Um, how can we, how have you enabled employees to understand, you know, gain that self-awareness to lead themselves better, um, enable them to still be happy, productive, and engaged while working remotely? So I think for us, it's, it's becoming, how do you go about communication? right? A lot of things around culture dances around communication. And what we find in, in our work, and it used to drive me bonkers when I used to officiate football uh, as well, but within organizations, everybody goes, we got to communicate better. Well, what does that mean? Specifically, what does that mean? And so for us as a local unit, so if you control who, who you lead, or you control your mini organization, or you control yourself, when this all happened, we all started meeting daily, sometimes more, more times than, than once a day uh, on Zoom as an entire group. Why? Because everybody, when they were going through this, was like, what is going on here? All of a sudden, we've, we just shut down the, the world. And so what you can do as a, as a leadership group or as an organization, you can retreat and say, you know what, we'll see you on the other side of this and go figure it out, go be good stewards of the business. Or you can get in front of it and saying, we're gonna meet as much as possible to make sure that our group is as comfortable as possible, has all the information that's up to date as possible at the same time, understanding where we're going, all right? And so for, for me, it becomes shortening the cycle of way, the way you look at your culture and how are you gonna get through, we've chunked it up, just even organizationally, because you have to start at the local level, is do it in pieces. So what's going to be in the next three months? Forget your three-year plan. I mean, who can, who can think through what your damn three-year plan is right now when people are just trying to pay the bills, trying to stay afloat, trying not to you know, get through you know, reductions in force and layoffs and all those type of things? How, how are you going to get through the next three months? And then you talk until you, you're blue in the face and you listen until you've got blood dripping out of your ears, okay? And I know that's graphic, but it, that's what you have to do. You've got you've to listen, you've got to listen, you've got to listen, you've got to repeat, you've got to repeat, you've got to repeat, because it's just not a normal situation for people. And if you do that, you're getting really specific about the way you're going to communicate. Instead of just leaving it to chance, get really specific. And that alone will take you through a lot of ills that can be created by just having people make up their own stuff because they don't know what's going on. 
Yeah, so you talk about that importance of communication and listening to people, understanding what's going on out there. I always go back to my Little League baseball coach when I was 13 years old who always said communication is the key to success, and it, it still is today. Um, we talk about leadership through times like this, through times of change, um, when we're not seeing people all the time. We got to ramp up communication. I also think it brings out the importance of empathy as well. And I know you're big on this empathy and gratitude. You talked about listening. I mean, can you take that a step further? How can we uh, enable our leaders to be better leaders and be more empathetic, better communicators with their people? Well, for everybody, empathy doesn't come natural, right? It happens to be one of my strengths. And so it's very easy for me to be empathetic in situations. But if you build a little bit of that skill set, even if you're a data person and where's the data and who's the, you know, and you're a very logical thinker, that's perfectly fine. Logical thinkers can say, you know, we still need to take care of our people and how are we going to go do that? So you figure out a way to, to go ahead and begin to um, really adjust the way I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> that is awful. <laughs> that's what happens when you get old. I just had a birthday, Andy. So that's what happens. So, oh, that's okay. Um, We're talking about empathy and you know, how do you yeah, bring that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, finding out how to be empathetic with your groups. And so for, for us, it's what do the people need right now? What do they need most from me uh, as a leader, as an organization? They need timely information. They need to know what's our direction. They need to know the bad news as well as the good news, right? And you put yourself in the shoes of your employees because you got to remember, it's not an algorithm, right? It's not an algorithm. So you're just not going to press a button and then all of a sudden everybody's going to read your email or everybody's going to see your video or everybody's going to you know, see your tweet, all right? You need to be able to communicate it at the at the face-to-face -face level, look somebody in the eyes or look somebody in the camera through their eyes and, and have that real conversation. So you have to imply, imply some of those uh, techniques to, to understand, well, what, what, what I want, you know, and, and let, if you're not good at empathy, start with what would I need and then reverse it to, well, if that's what I need, what do you think they need? And then if you don't know, go ask somebody. So it becomes, sometimes we really overcomplicate what culture is. Uh, because we put in all these things and we want to get complicated and we want to get, it, it's an intentionality to, to make sure your people are, are put in the best place to, to do their best work and do that with the least amount of resistance to the, to the crap that goes around an organization that should not be there. So you and I, uh, I think, have this strength of empathy, right? And we want to treat people how we would want to be treated. And I would like to think, I'll make a generous assumption that most people in the learning and development field, talent development field, tend to be that way, right? We're here because we love people. We want to treat people well. Um, we are also uh, dealing with a lot of leaders, managers who that doesn't come naturally to them. And we want and need them to show more empathy, have more communication um, for their people. Are there things you've done or seen done to help enable those leaders maybe train is probably not the right word, right? But educate and empower them to go out and be more empathetic leaders. Yeah, I think part of it is, is it gets at the skill building level. It's a skill, right? But it also just gets at practicing that, you know, as simple as saying, this is an issue for us. What would make it better? You know, what would make it better if the environment wasn't an environment where we treated people like kids, 
okay? Where we made the environment of every time somebody made an error, unless it was you know, a life safety thing, uh, even, even that when there's a life safety thing, there's learnings there. And do you sit there and you, you attack people or do you say, all right, this was a bad thing, <laughs> you know, call it what it was and saying, this is what we're going to do to correct it going forward. And we need you part of that, that, that solution. What happens is, is that we tried to, to get cute with it or we tried to overcomplicate it. And so a lot of it is just coming back to the person, coming back to the skill. What, what skill does somebody need to be empathetic? When you think about it, it's service to others. It's, you, you think about it, it's being a good steward or being a good you know, member of a community. Uh, you learn that stuff in kindergarten. You know, Robert Fulcrum wrote a book on what you learned in kindergarten. There's nothing that you didn't learn in kindergarten that doesn't apply to building a strong culture and being an empathetic leader or an empathetic organization that can still be competitive, that can still win in the marketplace, that can still do everything that is necessary to be quote unquote successful. You can do that with treating people the right way. And it starts and ends with that. And it doesn't mean you're soft. It just means that there's a focus, there's an attention to it. And you do have to get certain people on board that will understand that because if your top leaders are not exhibiting those behaviors, you're fighting an up, uphill battle. Now you can get a couple of, you know, I see a lot of change that can happen on the front lines, but I also know just from organizations that I studied and, and organizations I've worked in, if you don't get that top group on board, you, you're never going to get it because things are, the doors aren't going to open to be able to do that. And it doesn't mean a commitment to show up to a meeting to kick it off. It means how are you going to be involved from every step of the way, not to do a soundbite, not to do one video and then go back to your world, but to commit to building an environment that is meaningful. That's when change will happen. But until you get that, you can, you can, you can be swinging that ax as much as you want. You got to get some people that are going to sponsor you and be behind you that can open up some doors for you. I'm glad you brought that up because my next question for you is going to be, Hey, for those out there saying, all right, it's, it's time for us to make some changes. We do want to make a cultural transformation or we're instilling new values in our organization or learning what those are. And we want to get people aligned to our values, to our culture, uh, to our mission, which I know is something that you, you talk about as well. How do we, where do we start? I know you mentioned getting the leaders on board. Where do we start with that? And, and how does mission play into that? Well, it's, 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 you know, it's a two-pronged process. I think the first thing you have to do is start to act the way you want to be. All right. You are, you know, you, I, I follow you on social media. I, I see you do workout, you do yoga. You have a warrior mentality. You broke your, your ankle, uh, you know, just a little while ago. You're, you're in the gym the next day with a cast. All right. That's your mentality. That's your culture that you're building and instilling, not only in your, in your own self and in your business, but what example are you setting for your children and your family? Okay. It starts right there, right? So you are, nobody said, you didn't say, all right, I'm going to put up a sign in my office saying, go work out today. I know I broke my ankle, but so what? No, you went out and did it, right? So I would be a big, I'm a big proponent of go out and behave the way you want to behave and then figure out to call it something later. 
the worst thing you can do is go ahead and call some kind of culture transformation, culture transformation, and then let it just be a movement that ends over a period of time after a series of events that don't go anywhere that people are waiting for the next leadership group to come in and put their stamp on it, right? Act the way you want to be. All right. That's the first thing. The second thing is mission is a little bit different than, than the culture piece where I do believe you can put a stake in the ground and say, I'm going to be a certain way because people get into mission. All right. There's, there are people that, and you could talk about the old NASA thing, but you even talk about, think about, current day things, the post office, right? We, we have a super uh, male, male person and uh, uh, I, we don't get, my, my son's getting ready to college, so we just get a bunch of college stuff. Um, but we, we were talking to him the other day and about what's going on in the mail system, and this is not political at all, uh, but his, you could tell that he is, he understands his mission is that he actually will give somebody the ability to vote in the COVID era. And that's, it's just not him carrying a bunch of papers and pushing a bunch of papers all day. He is giving somebody the ability to have their say in, in this country that we live in, in the US. And you can see that pride from him, all right? Now you may have another letter carrier that just may be, Here, here's your mail, here's your mail. But if that guy was in charge, our mail carrier, I guarantee you some people will be running through the wall. Now on the other side of it, you know, you can take it towards to your own organization. I mean, you, you, you talk about building a place to connect, grow, and learn so people can solve problems. Now, if, I, if I'm not into that, I'm not going to connect with Andy Storch. Now, if I am, and I am, I'm all over what Andy's doing because I believe in his mission, and I believe in that mission as well, and we're going to connect on some things. And so you have to set that bar of, we have it at the University of Miami. One of our, part of our mission is we transform lives through teaching, research, and education and service. But the key point is we transform lives, student lives, patient lives, uh, staff lives, faculty lives, our community. And if people can't get behind transforming a life at its core, we don't, yeah, do we, maybe we get somebody else to do that job. But at the core, we need to do that regardless of the role that you play. I'm sorry. I got I got a little emotional about that. So that's okay. You're, I know this is why I invited you to come speak on the summit because I know you're so passionate about this and I couldn't wait to get you wind you up and get you, you ramped up on this thing. Um, cause we're talking about creating a culture of empathy and, uh, you know, engaging people, treating people human, and of course getting people aligned to values and culture. Uh, but when you get into this idea of mission, it's mm-hmm. that People take ownership of the mission and strategy of the company. They know what it is. They feel like they're bought in. They feel like it's part of their mission as well. Mm-hmm. They truly believe in it, right? And that mm-hmm. it's bigger than just that one task they're doing. You talked about the, the postal carrier, um, the community that, that you're a part of in the Talent Development Think Tank, which I appreciate you mentioning. Uh, and a lot of organizations out there, I think these days, especially if you're in healthcare, that people really feel connected to the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of organizations that are not maybe they're not doing something so valiant as, you know, maybe saving lives in the hospital or whatever. How do you mm-hmm. get people aligned to a mission in that sort of situation? Well, I, I think it, I think it's just equally important. So, I mean, a great example would be you work at Apple or you work at Dell computers, right? Everybody, you know, they're in the same business. Apple has a cult following. Now I'm not an Apple person, but the people that love app love Apple. Right. And 
and I have, and I'm a Dell person. I, I, I have Dell all over the place, but you, you get a crazy amount of people that get excited and forget about the people that work there. These are the consumers. And you don't think that that feed off of kind of doing things different at Apple feeds off their, their stakeholders, their clientele. Of course it does. Right now, Dell is probably a very good company. They both make computers right? They both make computers. Uh, one, one just kind of does things a little bit differently. And that's where the mission can play, can play a part. Now, you don't have to buy into a company's mission. You don't have to. But why would you spend 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week working in an organization that you didn't believe that your, what your role you're playing is making a difference? And you got to ask yourself that question. And as a leader or as a leader of organization or leader of leaders, if you don't know what your mission is, somebody else is going to create it. <laughs> you know, it's going to be created by, by people that you may not want investing in your mission, yeah. right? Because they're, they're the naysayers. There's not, not contrarian, not just because they take a different point of view. That's different. But the people that actively work against what you're trying to do because you never articulated what that mission is to begin with. Yeah, and it goes back to purpose and why. You remind me of uh, Simon Sinek's famous TED Talk uh, about the three golden circles. And he gave that example about Apple and other computer companies. Yeah, that's true. That's right. You know, that's that, true. That so many companies know what they do or maybe how they do it, but not why. And you, know, you say, hey, we make great computers. Do you want to buy one? Whereas Apple said, you know, we're changing the world. Do you want to join us? And obviously, it, it has worked. I mean, they were the first company to uh, pass a trillion dollars in, in uh market value over a year ago. And now they're the first company to pass $2 trillion in market value um, because so many people are on board. Uh, I'm sitting here recording this on a MacBook with my iPhone next to me. And I was texting you this morning and I saw that green. So I know that you are an Android <laughs> user. I'll call you out on this summit. Um, last question, I mean, Greg, you just kind of open it up. And we've been talking a lot about culture and change and mission and values. And we want to really help our colleagues in talent development go out and, and continue to engage their people and create a, create a great culture in this remote virtual world. Anything else you would add? Maybe it's just tips and tricks you've seen that have worked really well in the virtual world to, to keep your colleagues engaged. I think the first thing at the macro level is to, you have to lead the change. So there's a difference between managing change and leading change. So leading change is when you get into the people component of it right? Again, it comes back to the people component and making sure that they have what they need addition. And that means you have good process, you have good practices, you have all those different things. Managing, managing change is just, you're just kind of pushing things around that need to get changed or putting levers on or off on, on a system or something like that. That's, that's managing change. Leading change gets you to be very much, uh, very specific, very intentional about doing two things. Number one is to lower the amount of resistance. Okay. And then the other part of it is to stop productivity from, from dipping so low that because of a change, people don't feel like they can do their work anymore. They don't feel effective. They don't feel, they don't have that self-efficacy. All right. So you want to, you want to lead this change, whatever that change is through this, this period of what we're going in. It, we're in the great, you know, equalizer. You can't Google stuff on how to deal with this stuff on, on everything. Everybody's so used to Googling stuff to solve an issue. Now you have to use your mind. So what I would say to you is begin to, to manage the change, 
but also define it as well. There's only two types of changes that you have. It's imposed or self-initiated. All right, that's it. Once you get over that piece of it, we're on right now, we're either in person or we're online. Okay, that's the change. Now what we got to do is we got to help people transition through that change. And that's the work William Bridges did, um, a well-known OD consultant, uh, Harvard trained. Uh, and he teaches us how to transition and how do you let go of something before you can start in a new beginning. And that's all the emotional part of, of leading change that will separate you uh, from the people that aren't focused on that. They're just trying to figure out, let me get us on as many back-to-back Zoom calls, calls so we can do the exact same thing we did in person. Well, it's not the exact same time. So allow yourself to be free and feel uh, the ability to be able to do things differently, experiment with things. You know, there's no rule book. Yeah, go write the damn rule book, right? Go, go share those tips and tricks. Go communicate. Go set your mission. Get people excited. Uh, embrace the, the finally the whole person that you see at work that we always talk about for years but never really meant that. Well, when you have the dogs jumping in your lap or the kids walking by and, and you got kids crying or kids fighting in the background or, you know, whatever is going on and, you know, you, ha- you have to deal with that. And how do you help people through that? So I don't know if that helps enough, but you got to be able to lead the change, recognize what it is, and then go ahead and, and help people through it. And that's going to be your best success. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important and, you know, letting the past go uh, moving forward into this change, you know, taking people with you, being human, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I said that was be the last question. One more thing I want to add is mm-hmm. I know you're big on gratitude, and I think that mm-hmm. is something that is not introduced nearly enough in the corporate environment. Can you talk about the importance of that and how that helps as well? Yeah, and you and I have talked about this in the past, and and really, you know, the gratitude smacked me in the face from from one of my employees who said, you know, do you mind if we we kind of share some gratitude before we start this meeting? And this was a couple of years ago. And I went, yeah, okay, let's go. I had a full agenda and let's, all right. So we ended up going around the room. We started the meeting of gratitude and we, was supposed to, we just spent 10 minutes. And I got to tell you, that 10 minutes was awesome because you know what? They started talking about themselves and, and what other people have done for them on the team or, or other people they've worked for. So the gratitude just, you know, released all this good chemicals in your mind. And then we got to the, it was one of our best meetings. And so what we did is every time we, we meet, say, what do you, we start the meeting with gratitude. And regardless if we're dealing with some crappy situation we have to deal with or, or something that we have to kind of rip apart and put it back together, it doesn't make a difference because at, at, the, at the front of it, you know, we're very, very much uh, in tune with with being thankful for the person that's working next to us. And it always comes back to some, one of their coworkers. I mean, yes, you, they'll talk about their kids or they'll talk about their spouse or their partner, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's the coworker that you spend the most time with. And that gratitude just picks you up like nothing has. So we implemented that into all of our staff meetings. And I tell you what, it's, it's the best 10 minutes spent. I love that. And uh, maybe realize we forgot to start this meeting with gratitude, but we can certainly end it that way. So Greg, what are you grateful for right now? Well, I, I'm grateful for you, Andy, for number one, inviting me to do this. Number two, that you've, you've taken the, uh, the risk and taken the initiative to put on this virtual conference and, and to help an industry grow. Um, you're all about 
helping others succeed and solve problems. And, and when you're doing that, you you do it at a high level. So I'm fortunate that we met through the power of, uh, through the power of LinkedIn and, and uh, fortunate that, that, you know, to know you and uh, be part of what you're building here, which is special. Oh, thank you, buddy. I really appreciate that. And I am so grateful for you uh, agreeing to join me on the summit for, for meeting you and being able to learn from you and be inspired by you, all the great content you share on LinkedIn. Um, you are a force of vulnerability and inspiration, uh, which is amazing and also a great father. Uh, and I am grateful that uh, you've jumped on board my mission by joining the Talent Development Think Tank community when I started that, jumping on here as a speaker, sharing uh, all of your wisdom and experience and uh, just supporting me and all the crazy things uh, that I am embarking on um, and that we can continue to learn from each other and be friends. And uh, I'm grateful for everyone who has tuned in for this virtual summit. I hope this has been valuable for you. I know it has been for me. Uh, Greg's been just dropping tons of great knowledge and value. Make sure that you take some notes Write some things down before you go on to your next thing. What is that idea that came to you? What's that thing that's going to help you do your job better? Uh, and if you have questions or anything for Greg, I'm sure they can reach out over LinkedIn, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, feel free to reach. Um, you know, you can get me there and uh, it's got all my contact information. Uh, catch us on our podcast as well and we'd be more than happy to chat with you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Greg. Thank you, everybody who tuned in for this session. Cheers. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.